You are listening to the audio ministry from All Nations Church, Cardiff. If you turn your Bibles now to 1 Thessalonians 5, God is good. So good. And uh, we are going to this morning be in the first part of a two-part. I'll, con- I'll conclude this next Sunday. But we have been talking from this scripture now for a few months on the importance of our life, the inner man, the inner person, and why it's important that we feed that, our spirit. We're spirit people, aren't we? We don't live from the outside in, or even partway in. We don't live from our minds and our souls, we live from our spirits. And we've been talking about the body, Gareth's been talking just about the importance of the body, and the brothers and James and Tim have been talking about the spirit. But uh, I want to just... Uh, if I could step back a little bit this morning and, and blow it open a little bit for us uh, and give us a wider perspective as to why. And next week I want to give some very practical pointers to you. But let's read the scripture again. Let's emphasize a part of the scripture we haven't emphasized yet. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 23. You ready to go? Okay. May God himself, the God of peace, Sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a purpose for it. The coming of the Lord Jesus. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Now let's look at this phrase. May the God of peace sanctify you through and through. That's where I want to concentrate on this morning. Why God wants to do something in your spirit and your soul and your body. He wants to sanctify you through and through. God wants to sanctify you thoroughly. That's what that means. That's why your spirit, soul and body must be kept blameless. Notice that word blameless at the coming of Jesus. Jesus is coming again. He is coming again. That's what the kingdom's all about. You know, it's not just going to go on and on. Jesus is coming back. So why does our spirit, soul, and body need to be thoroughly sanctified? So that we're kept blameless at the coming of Jesus. It's not just so that you can get through Monday to Friday. There's a much bigger purpose of God than getting you through a week. Or getting you through a day. God's purpose is to sanctify your whole spirit. Which will then sanctify your whole soul, your whole mind area. And will sanctify your body. Your body is holy as well. Why? Because God's purpose is to make you and I like Jesus. He wants to make you like Jesus in every aspect of your whole identity and your whole being. That is fantastic to know that God's desire and purpose is to make you completely like Jesus, not just in the things you do and the habits you have, but in your very identity and your very nature. Understand that? Now, the the word sanctify, it's it's an old word, but it literally means this, to make holy, to consecrate. Some people call a room like this a sanctuary. It's not a sanctuary, it's a room. 
Is there a sanctuary? Yeah, it's, it's there. It's in here. Okay. Holiness is not a, a thing you adopt as you walk in. You know, you, you walk in, sort of saying, I've become, I'm in the sanctuary. Behave in the sanctuary. Outside you can live like hell, but don't be like that in the sanctuary. <laughs> if you can live like hell, yeah, there are many Christians live like that. God wants to make you holy through and through, meaning he wants to make you like Jesus thoroughly. Now, you might have a question say, wow, hang on a second. More holy, you've been telling us, as he is, so are we in this world. Haven't we? We've been saying that. We've been saying, we are the righteousness of God in Christ. You, you've, I told you, you are, as, you are as holy and righteous as Jesus is. Haven't I told you that already? You say, now, Raj, what are, you, are you contradicting yourself then? No. No. Would I do that to you? Look at this face. Would this face lie to you? That's true. Yes. That's who you are. You are in your nature and identity as holy and as righteous as Jesus. You're not Jesus, but you are as he is. So are we. Say that. As he is. So are we in this world. Okay. So the question is, how can... How can I become more holy then? If the Bible talks about that I am who, that, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, but then it says, God still wants to sanctify me, is he saying he wants to make me more holy? Well, no. Not in your nature, and nor in your status. You can't become more than you are, can you? You are holy. You are righteous, aren't you? Yes, amen. Okay. To be sanctified means this. That the Holy Spirit, all your life, is working in you, in your spirit, which will affect your soul and your body, to mature you, to grow you more and more into the character and the attitude of Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is coming back for the bride of Christ. He's coming back for the mature man, which I'll pick up next week. The Bible talks about, the New Testament talks about Jesus being fully formed in you. That's why you need to listen carefully this morning because I want to blow it out a bit. Christianity is not about us. It affects us, but it's not about us. When God says he wants to sanctify you through and through in your spirit, soul and body, it's so that you can become more and more like Jesus in every attitude and mature in your character. That Jesus moves from just being your saviour. He is your saviour, but he moves to beyond that. He's more than that. He's your all in all. He's everything. He's your very identity. You understand more and more who he is. He is the king of kings. He's the servant king. He's not just the saviour who gets you from hell into heaven, which he does. Praise the Lord, he does that. But he's more than that. And that's important for us to understand because it's growing up time again, church. It's growing up time. You see, just in the natural, I am my father's son. In the natural. I have a, had a father. My father's now with the Lord. I am as much an Aubrey as he was. Okay? I have my dad's DNA, my dad's genetic structure. I know I have my mum's as well. But I have my dad's DNA. 
I have my dad's genetic structure in me, don't I? I am as he is. I am as he is. I am an Aubrey. That's who I am. I can't become more of an Aubrey than I am. Okay? I am an Aubrey. We like him. <laughs> but in these, in these 40 or so years I've been on this earth. Also, I said also. Also can be as much you want it to be. <laughs> I have grown from a baby Aubrey. Oh, I was so cute. I was 10 pounds when I was born. I know, man. It was a tough birth. For me. <laughs> I grew from a baby, through a child, to a man. And I'm still maturing. Not getting old, just maturing. Okay? Okay? But when I was born, I was born a complete Aubrey. I can't become more of an Aubrey. But I am becoming more of who I am. You understand that? That's what sanctification means. God's sanctifying you through and through. Okay? So I am I'm now more like my father. I look in the mirror and I see him. I bear his name. In fact, someone just said to me, I was in con- uh, contact with someone just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I hadn't seen them for a couple of many years, actually. And uh, we, we, we made contact. And he said, oh, he said, you're more like your father than ever. And he knew my dad. And he said, you're more like your father than ever. And uh, that is what it is. The progress and the process of sanctification means God takes you. You are complete. Now he says, I want to get you into the full, complete version of who you really are. And the Bible, as we're going to pick up next Sunday, is that the Bible calls that growing from childhood to sonship in the New Testament. Okay? You're born again, you're a child of God, but you have to grow to be a son. Okay? Even though I was my father's son, always been my father's son, only now have I grown up. He's my, I'm his son. I was his baby before. But I want to pick up on that. I want, to, I want you to park that, because that's what I'm going to say now. We're going to come back to that and fill that in, because it begs a bigger question. All right? It begs a bigger question. And this is the question. Why would God, why would God wish to live in us? You ever thought about that? Nice, nice for a nice Sunday morning, thinking, having a cup of coffee. Nice question. Why would God wish to live in us in the first place? We sometimes don't think about that. Yeah, the Lord's living in me, and so helping me, sanctifying me through and through. But why would God choose to live in Yinka or Malcolm? Why? That's that question. It tells you for the very reason why you were born. Why you're in this world. Yes. The very fact that you're in this world is a purpose. Still with me? Yes. So you're going to have to think now, okay? It's time for revelation. Colossians 1 verse 27 says this. We've mentioned it several times. You can look it up if you like. It's a mystery that God has revealed to us. And this is the mystery. Christ where? And what's the next phrase? The hope of glory. Mark that word. 
It's not just Christ in you. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. Say glory. glory. Now say it like uh, say it like you. Glory. Say it like that. Glory. <laughs> say it again. Glory. <laughs> you got you, you can't just say glory. You got to kind of glory. do something, haven't you? Glory. Christ is in us. God chose to live in us for a purpose, and it's to do with. Glory, which is a funny word, because you meet it a lot of times in the scripture. And we're going to look at that now. And then we're going to come next week and put it all together. So sanctification is so that God can do something in you to make you more like Jesus. Why? For the hope of glory. Turn to the first page in your Bible, Genesis 1, 26. Because... um, we have to answer this question, and the, the answer to the question is in the very first chapter of the Bible. Yeah, that's good. I like that. God gives you the answer right at the beginning. Yes. Doing okay so far? Yeah. Yeah. Now, I know we leave it a little bit up in the air at the end today. I know that, but that's why we'll pick it up and we'll fill it all in. But you've, sometimes you've got to think big. Yeah. Yeah. Genesis 1, 26. You were born to think big. Christ is in you. This is God's purpose for us. Genesis 1.26. God said, let's make mankind in our image, in our likeness. What does that tell you about us? Right off the bat. We're like him. We're like God. Isn't that amazing? We're not God, but we're like him. He said, I'm going to make people who are just like me. So that they may rule. That's kingdom. That's the kingdom of God, right at Genesis 1. Because Jesus is the king of the kingdom, and the kingdom of God is the rule and the reign of God. We are the instruments of God's rule and reign over the whole creation. So they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. When God created Adam and Eve, he created us, as man and woman, as one human race, to be nothing less than like him. That has never changed. God's purpose and plan for this world, for every person in this world, is that we be like him. That's why we are not abnormal. Because if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, you are mankind, you're a man or woman as God had always intended you to be. You're not some kind of freaky, happy, clappy, charismatic weirdo who doesn't belong on this planet. This world belongs to you. Because the earth is the Lord's and he says, you rule it for me. That's the kingdom. Isn't that wonderful? Go to Ephesians chapter 1 now, please. Which James mentioned this last Sunday. And it's a vital, vital scripture for us, for the purpose why God wants you well in your spirit, why God wants you well in your mind, why God wants you well in your body. Not so that you just don't have to go for long-term counseling again, and, and nothing against that. If that's a process you're in of whatever God is doing in your life, but you're not a victim, you are a victor. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3. This is one of the most important passages in the whole Bible, I believe. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So we live in the heavenly realms. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. When did God choose you? He chose you before the creation of the world. Amazing. Not just when you came, turned up in a meeting and said, Jesus, will you come into my life? And God said, who were you? Before he ever made a star, created anything, he had cola and said, I'm creating you in a moment in time for a purpose. Wow. And he created you and purposed you. Why? To be holy. And notice, and blameless. That's the, that's the scripture Paul says. That you will be blameless at the coming of Jesus. He said, God created you to be holy and blameless. God, God's doing it all together, isn't it? We're in the middle of a great purpose of God. Boy, if that doesn't, if that doesn't excite you, make you click your heels. Check for a pulse. In love, that's, that's what love is. See, love is not just, oh, he loves me. Because I love you and I've got a plan for you. Not so that we sit around stroking each other's hair and tapping each other's cheeks and saying, Oh, I love him. God, love him. Just, just, just let me love you. God says, I love you for a purpose. I love you, but I love you for a purpose. He says, in love, he predestined you. Wow. If you think, if you think here today you're an accident of birth, that's a lie. Maybe the circumstances of your birth were not what you would like. But God said, I predestined you. I preplanned you. There are no mistakes. I predestined you. Why? And I predestined you not to make up numbers. I didn't predestine you just to, to walk along in, in defeat. I didn't predestine you just to sit outside from the crowd. He said, I predestined you. He predestined you for adoption to sonship. That's next week. That's, that's God's plan for you. That's the glory of God. We'll come to that in a minute. In accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given us in the one he loves. Now this is where most Christians live now. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding. Uh, he lavished on us. And that's where many Christians, they live in that parenthesis. Oh, redemption. Thank you, Jesus. You forgave my sin. Thank you. I'm forgiven. I'm going to heaven. You are. But God says, I've done that so that, in order that, you can now, I can now achieve the purpose for which I created you in the first place. Where we said, no, it's all about my forgiveness of sin. It's all about redemption, the songs I sing. The thing. It's all about my salvation. I'm going to heaven. God says, yes, but it's bigger than that. I created you not to just to be forgiven of your sin. I created you that I might live in you with all my glory. You're living here. You're living in this bit of the balloon. He says, that, and this is not to denigrate the cross, he says, the cross and the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus are not the major purpose of God. They achieve the purpose of God. Now, you know the cross is important, okay? I'm not saying that. But so many of us live around this aspect. And he says, I've done that for you so you can achieve the purpose for which you were created, for which you were predestined to be a son. Woo! Woo! Let's get back. With all wisdom and understanding, this, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, 
to bring all things in heaven and on earth together under one head. Christ. That's the purpose of God. It's all to do with Christ. It's not my going to heaven. I am going to heaven. But the purpose of God is not just to get me out of, just out of hell and into heaven. He does that. But that's the cream on the cake. That's the means by which you can say, I've dealt with that now. Sin is no longer a problem. Let's get on with the plan and the purpose for which I created you in the first place. To display my glory. So I can get hold of you and fill you and sanctify you through and through and through and through and through and through and through. Wow. Our prayer lines would be much more diminished. Yeah? See, God... (laughs) Verse 11. In Him... We were also chosen. Wow, you're chosen. Having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of will, of his will. Listen to this. In order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. Not to be forgiven of our sins. But but to be. be, That's That's who you are. God predestined you. To be for the praise of his glory. Say this. I was predestined to be for the praise of his glory. Say that again. I was predestined to be for the praise of his glory. Woo! You don't have to do the woo if you like. God's purpose in living in you and me isn't primarily to do with you at all. Now, it includes you. I know that. I'm just being extreme today. God's purpose is not your your personal fulfillment and your blessing. You get all that. Praise God for it. Praise God for the benefits and the blessings. God's purpose is his son. To fill everything in every way. With Jesus, not just Earth. That's right. Come on. The whole universe. See what happens here today, and what happens in Sri Lanka affects the whole universe. Yeah, that's right. Not just here, not just your life. That's what Paul talks about. The, the whole creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Yeah. Do you realize what takes place in your life is affecting the creation itself? Yeah. It really is. God chose to live in you. The answer to the question. God chose to live in you in order to fill the earth and the whole universe with Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I know we've got to unpack that and make a lot of sense of that. We've got to put shoe leather on it. You see? God didn't create me for my sake. He created me For Jesus' sake. Once I understand that, I understand my place in this world. You see, our faith is called Christianity. It's not Roger-ianity. Or Sammyanity. Or Simeonianity. Or Katieanity. Or Debrianity. It's Christianity. It's Christ. And so often we make Christianity about us. Now it is about us, I know that. But it's not primarily about us, it's about Jesus. 
And that's why I want to stress this morning, the scripture we're looking at these days is God's purpose in sanctifying you is not so that you just live in a nice field of great spirit and soul and body. There's a purpose greater than that. Now, it will do you the world of good. It does not change your life. But just know that you think, I've arrived, I've made it. It's cool. It's so that he can do something far greater than he predestined before he ever brought a star into the firmament. See, Adam and Eve were created and filled with the Spirit of God to fill the earth with a race of Jesus people. Adam was filled with the Spirit, you know. When God breathed into him, he breathed the Spirit into him. And his mandate was to fill the earth with a race of Jesus people. He said, well, where was Jesus? He was the tree of life. The tree of life is Christ. He and Eve were destined to live in fellowship with God the Father, feeding from the tree, and they would have grown in their maturity, feeding from him, fellowshipping with him, growing and growing and growing to fill the earth with their offspring, the seed, the seed of God. That's why Jesus called the seed of the woman. That's another story. But a people who would be just like Jesus. That the fall of God didn't change anything about that. The fall of a man didn't change anything. You say, well, that's, that was all Adam and Eve. God's purpose hasn't changed. It stays the same. It stays exactly the same, you know. You say, well, that was Adam and Eve. So plan B kicks in. Jesus comes to save the world. No, Jesus is plan A. <laughs> there is no plan B. I know there's a thing called plan B, but Jesus is God's plan A. There's only one plan. It's Christ. That purpose has never changed. It remains the same. And if you're sitting here this morning, it includes you. Please don't sit and think, well, what's he talking about? This is who you are. That's who we are filled with. You are filled with the seed of the woman. That's what Jesus is called. That's why God said, the seed of the woman will crush your head. And when a coconut tried to crush my head, it couldn't. Because the seed of the woman who lives in me has crushed his head. See, just five minutes before that happened to me, I prophesied that the devil was under your feet. He's under my feet. How can he be above me trying to get knock my head off? That's how it works, folks. That's the reason why God chose you. Not just to bless you, save you from your sin. God forbid. Don't limit Jesus to being Savior. Never lose the fact that he's Savior. Enjoy the fact, worship me, he's your Savior. He's much more than that. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 now. We just have a few more scriptures and then we're finished for this morning. And uh, we'll pray and hand back to tea then. You see, we're made for his glory. Yes. I love that old song we used to sing. Uh, we are your people, made for your glory, and we worship you. Remember that song? Yes, yes. yes we worship you. Hebrews 1 verse 3. Do you know, it's a, it's a tremendous thing to be speaking to the sons of God. To unlock who we really are. See, when I look at you, I don't see sinners. I don't see forgiven sinners. I see those predestined before the foundation of the world. Mike, wait over there. Predestined before the foundation of the world. Look at, look at him. Fulfilling the plan of God for his life. Oh, hallelujah. Hebrews 1 verse 3 says this. The sun is the radiance of God's glory. Let's get back to this word glory now as we finish. The sun is the radiance. The radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. Sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he had provided purification for sins, 
He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. This always gets me. Jesus is not just the glory of God. He's the radiance of God's glory. Let's try and define glory. Glory, if I can put a term on it, glory is the, the tangible manifestation of God's majesty. God is a majestic God. Jesus sat down with the majesty in heaven. And the glory of God is the tangible manifestation of God's majesty. When God shows his face, and when the glory of the Lord filled the temple, people, people couldn't handle it. You know, when the glory of God is manifested, people don't just say, I, I, excuse me, I need to go to the bathroom, or that was a nice service. When the glory of God manifests, people say, not a lot. <laughs> wow. But God, Jesus is more than that. He's the radiance. That word radiance means a light that flashes forth. It means someone who literally shines. He literally shines. The effulgence, exactly. That's what the old scripture used to say. Well, it's a wonderful word. The effulgence. It's a great word. Jesus radiates listen to the glorious majesty of God. Christ in you. So what do you do? You radiate the glorious majesty of God. The hope of glory. See, glory is not a future thing. Oh, one day, one day when I'm in heaven, I'll be like him. You're like him now. And he wants to sanctify that you're more and more and more and more and more like him. That as the sons of God become more mature, the earth says, glory of God. Because the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's not an ethereal cloud. When I, when I was in Sri Lanka last week, I saw it. I saw it in flesh and blood in men and women. Yes. I see it here today. I see the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. I see it here. Go to uh, Romans 8, please. We're almost through. Uh, and this is just part one. I just want to blow it open for you today. But I know the spirit of revelation and wisdom is just striking chords in your heart. Because you know, yeah, you can get, yeah, this is right. This is who I am. Romans 8, 28. This is, a, this, is a, this is a kind of translation that we, got, we did a couple of years ago. Remember, we, we had Romans 8 and we read it. Romans 8:28. We also know beyond doubt that in everything that happens, everything that happens, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his eternal purpose. There it is again. His eternal purpose is for you to be like him. Every one of those men and women God the Father foreknew from eternity... He also predestined before the beginning of time to be conformed to the likeness of his son. That's Genesis 1 again, see? So that they would be just like Jesus. So that Jesus might be the firstborn among many brothers, the eldest of a family of sons. And those God the Father eternally predestined to be his sons, he also called to be his sons. Those he called, he also justified, making them holy and righteous in his sight. Those he justified... He also glorified, raising them to a heavenly condition and dignity, filling them with his glorious splendor. You see, so many Christians stop at justification. I'm justified. I've made me right with God. Yes, you have. But he says, no, I've done more than that. Glorifying you. Most Christians, I'm justified. I've been declared right. And that's where they stop. I'm justified. I'm okay. I'm right with God. No, I justified you. Why? So I could glorify myself in you now. It's beyond, if I say it rightly, we have to move beyond justification. 
You live in the good of your justification, but you have to move beyond it. Okay? Not saying you deny it, you move beyond it. Now the final scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 17, please. I'm just setting you up for next time. Is this okay? Context of this scripture is in Exodus chapter 34. We don't turn there now. In Exodus 34, you remember when Moses came down the mountain from receiving the law? His face shone. His face literally shone like the sun. And he frightened the people. He spooked them and they ran away from him. Um, And so what he did, he put a veil over his face. And uh, the more he was out of the presence of God, the, the, the glory that was on his face faded. It was the glory of God reflected in his face. And it faded. So then he would take it off. And then when he'd go back up again, he'd come back down and his face would shine again. Because from time to time, he would go into the presence of God and externally he would encounter God. And every time he encountered God, his face would shine with God's glory so that when he came down, people were saying, Wow! It's the, wow! What's that? He said, I don't know, it's, it's, just, it's just, I've been with God. And they said, you've been with God. It's terrifying. Your face is shining. And they ran from him. So he put a veil over it. Paul picks it up and says, we're not like that. He says, because Moses reflected the glory of God externally, but you don't. You radiate it from within. And that's what he's saying in this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now we know that Jesus is Lord. Say that, Jesus is Lord. Jesus expresses his Lordship through the Spirit. And where is the Spirit? In me. He's in you. I know I'm bringing you stuff here, and you're getting this. Now where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's freedom for you. The freedom, the freedom if you was not to live as you like. The freedom that God speaks about is the Lordship of Jesus exercised in you. That's why we used to sing the old hymn, Make me a captive, Lord, and then I shall be free. Yeah. <laughs> Straight old hymn. Verse 18. And we all, who with, we all, who with unveiled faces, we don't have to stick it over our face, we reflect that the Lord's glory, not externally, but from within. We are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. That's the sanctification of 1 Thessalonians 5. He's sanctifying you through and through and increasing, 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 increasing. Working in your spirit, working in your soul, working in your body all the time. Why? So, with ever-increasing dimensions, he can manifest and demonstrate nothing less than the glory of Jesus. So it's not a case of you come into a meeting or a service or someone prays for you, you go away thinking, poof, feeling good. Within you yes. and within me, yes. in increasing dimensions, you are holy and righteous. That's who you are. But God is continually working in you, sanctifying you through and through and through and through and through. Why? So that within you, constantly, as you grow and grow and grow, out from not just your face, like a smiling face, a nice shining face that you've got, but your whole being yes. radiates with nothing less than the person of Jesus Christ. That's what Christianity is about. Isn't that wonderful? Now then, we are glorified sons. That's who we are. Now that's why next time, I want to share with you how practically 
you and I can grow from glory to glory. From childhood to sonship. From babyhood to maturity. Why? Because that's who we are. We're all works in progress. Encouraged? Let's pray. Let's pray. Oh, Lord. Father, I want to thank you so much. That you should choose to live in us. Yes, because you love us. And yes, because you wanted fellowship with us. Because you chose to live in us to demonstrate the Son whom you love so much. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you. That because we are on this earth, you are being made known. You are being manifested and demonstrated, increasing glory. And I want to thank you that our life on this earth has meaning. Because as we come to maturity as your sons, as the kingdom grows, and as the church expands, the coming of the Lord is greater and greater, nearer every day. We thank you that you're coming again for a mature man. You're coming again for someone who's just like you. We thank you in the moments before you return. Your church will look just like you in all your fullness and in who you really are. I want to thank you in these days that you're making yourself known. I want to thank you that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. I want to thank you that we're not in enemy territory. This is the Lord's habitation. This belongs to the Lord. I want to thank you for all my brothers and sisters that you predestined every one of them before the foundation of the world to be just like Jesus in all his fullness. Thank you you're doing it in us. And Lord, as we come to praise you and to worship you in a moment, we thank you. For you in a certain way, it'll be just like looking at yourself as we worship you. And we will worship you and praise you. And we will be changed even more and more into your likeness. Because of our being here together today. We want to give you all the praise. And all the glory. And all the honor. Because you are so worthy. Amen. Amen. Thank You've you. been listening to a message from All Nations Church Cardiff. To download other messages, subscribe to our podcast, or find out more about us, log on to www.allnationschurch.org.uk. Thank you.